Hi, I'm Kes Otterleaf, and welcome to Margins and Memorations, the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends. As I don't have social media, this is the best way for people to find out about me. If you'd like to know more about my work, you can check out otterleaf.com, otter like the animal, L-I-E-F-F-E, and you can support this podcast at patreon.com forward slash otterleaf. In my second novel, Conserve and Control, a resistance community used Palari as their communicative language. Parts of my first novel, Margins and Memorations, were translated into Palari, and it was the first language or slang that any of my work was translated into. Those translations and dialogues were written by my fabulous friend, Jess. In this conversation, recorded in 2018 during a book tour, we chat about the origins and future of Polari, the politics of sex work, class, and queerness, and Jess's personal journey with this incredibly fabulous queer counseling. The interview starts with one of Jess's translations from Margins. Its lullies were bound, rope flamed against its martini glasses. I shouldn't want this, it thought, but I can't help myself. This is everything I dreamed of. Naked but for a layer of mud on its aris and the candle wax covering its willets, the Omi was completely nadavadded by the scarf tied around its ogles. Each time, the loud snap before the cold and the pain of strips of leather deep cut into its palias, its skin tore open and, una by una, the wilds were released. It wanted to screech out, to confessional how dowry it had loved her, but only moans escaped its movies. Snap, then pain. Snap and pain. Its boundaries broken down. And it was hers. I love you, mistress. The libidge become empty. The air suddenly nixed her. Blood pounding in its lobes, the only felt the munge tighten in around it as it sensed her nada. This is the guilty moment. This is the moment where I see the root of loneliness. It varded with a vada born in the munge, a clarity of endorphins. And for a moment there, there was nada in the world, except the noisy cheat of its own hairs. There she was again, embracing it, scratching it, smothering its skin with hers, absorbing it into herself and it was ready to share its pain with her once more. Thank you, mistress. That was fantabulosa. I'm always fantabulosa. May we, mistress. Beautiful. Did you like reading it? I love the way it sounds, because it's so deliciously camp. <laughs> you know, it's it just feels really fabulous just to... Mm to talk in Polari, you can totally see why people did. <laughs> yeah. yeah, really. Yeah, for Caduza, Fantabulosa, I mean, they're really, they're big words. Yeah, like, yeah. That's no understatement. Though. Yeah, but <laughs> Polari is never about understatement. <laughs> it's so weird that it's meant to be the secret language, uh, but actually it's just so out there. Mm. It's really, like, not even trying to hide. Yeah. It's, like, very much... Uh, I know you know what I am, sweetie, but you don't know what I'm saying. Mm. But I know you know I'm talking about you, yeah. you know? There's kind of a 
a beautiful bitchiness around Polari. Uh, it's kind of goes through the whole language, really. Like, if you were to talk in Polari, if you were like to meet somebody, you would never use their name, really, most of the time, unless you had a name for them. Um, but everyone was ducky or dear or deary or heartface, and it was all the, all of these like really femme terms of endearment. But it was it was kind of like a double edged sword because you are close with this person, somebody's calling you ducky, and it's really nice. But then it's also like I don't need to know your name, you know. Mm. Um, <laughs> Especially heartface, that's yeah. the, the worst. You can just be like, if ever anyone uses heartface, you're like, oh, okay, I've been told. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you are nameless. I don't yes. care. I don't need to know. Yes. Mm. So, um, tell us a little bit about Polari as a slang, as a language. Uh, where did it come from? Who used it? So, um, Polari was a cant language. Um, so it kind of replaces some words in the English language and it grew out of um, travelling showman um, language called Polari, but it was used by theatre people, artists, gay men, queer people, um, criminals, sex workers, sailors, all this kind of hidden underbody of people and this was from the 1900s and it was used quite quite heavily until really about the 1970s and it kind of died out. There was this uh, radio show called Around the Horn um, and it and it really like made Polari famous because uh, the people doing the radio show were, were obviously queer and so they used this language, they had this language as their just way of doing stuff but as part of this radio show they had this sketch called boner books and they would be two highly camp characters who talked exclusively in polari and were very bitchy and all of that kind of stuff and it really introduced polari to the straight and cisgender world and around that time homosexuality was legalized and um like gay culture had become really masculine and stuff, um, and people just stopped talking Polari anymore. But the purpose of Polari was was kind of to have this secret language which straight people couldn't hear. So you could talk about your conquests, you could talk about, you know, dressing up, you could talk about going out and dancing and makeup and all of this kind of stuff. And the straight world, even if they were listening to you talking, they just had no idea what you were saying. But once this radio show had gone out, then the secrecy had gone. So mm. they, you know, it was kind of destroyed by that. So now not many people speak Polari, but there are some Polari words that have made it into mainstream conversation. Stuff like naf, which actually means heterosexual. It um, stands for not available for fucking. So whenever anyone says those curtains are naff, what they're actually saying is I don't want to fuck those curtains. Um, too straight. Yes. <laughs> um, and there's other phrases and stuff from Polari that has kind of gone into regular language. Uh, and some phrases from regular language went into Polari. So there's a lot of 
um, Clockney rhyming, rhyming slang um, in polarity. So it's it's really a, like a cornucopia of linguistic delights. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of it comes from uh, Italian. A lot of it comes from Cockney. A lot of it comes from Romani languages. Um, it's really a smorgasbord of influences. What is your favorite word? Um, hmm, that's a hard one actually. Okay, there's two things that I really love about Polari. Um, one is that there's about 14 ways of saying no. Useful. Which is very, very useful. Mm. And only one for yes. Um, and that is mais oui, which is obviously French for of course. Mm. I also like the, the words for the police in Polari. They're so fantastic. Um, you've got Jennifer Justice, you've got Lily Law, Hilda Hankus, Betty Braces, uh, Orderly Daughters. Um, <laughs> they're just so funny. And I love the way that this was when homosexuality and, and being queer was was criminalised. And, you know, these people would, like, be really living in fear of the police. And that's why there's so many words to do with the police. But they, like, really took the authority of the police and the masculine authority of the police and flipped it on the head and kind of used it uh, in a way to, like, laugh at them. The thing that I really like about it is the whole language is feminised. So as much as the policeman was she, so were you, everyone is she. There's no, like, sexist element to it. So it's kind of like there's no sense that femininity is being, like, ridiculed. It's just really subversive to the way that they use it with the police, which I really like. So those are my two favourite wordlets about Polari. And I noticed in the text you used it as a translation, uh, as a pronoun for some people. Tell us about the pronoun system. Yeah, so in Polari there is one pronoun, well, two pronouns. Uh, Everyone is she. Um, There's actually a rule. You don't she your father, you don't she your cock, you don't she your father's cock. So everyone but your father <laughs> and your cock and your father's cock is she, with the exception of it. Uh, so it is a client, a trick um, of a sex worker. So um, it's the only place in which you have another, another pronoun. And a lot of the people speaking Polari would be would be sex workers, but it's actually like I think quite empowering in a certain way to see it as uh, the client being the object in the in the sex work relationship rather than outside of sex worker land. Often people see the sex worker as selling their body as like objectifying themselves. Um, so it's really interesting that they've switched that, turned it on its head, and are objectifying the client. I really like that. Mm. How was it for you to translate this passage? It was okay. Uh, getting used to the language again. I've not translated something for a while. I found that the the translation for the word client um, I struggled with because um, everything was pointing me towards using the word tenant because a lot of the words surrounding um, sex work in Polari is all about renting, rent boys, all of that kind of stuff. So it's pointing me in the direction of you need to use tenant. 
as a concept. And I was like, hmm, like, obviously, I've, I've been a sex worker. And I felt just, like, slightly uncomfortable with the idea that, that they were, like, living in my body or mm-hmm. something like that. But I think it's the best translation because they, they don't own the house. They're just living, you know? And it does kind of break that discourse of selling a body because you're not selling the house, you're renting it out. Mm-hmm. There's like this like very silly concept of just like selling your body and then like, what, you have no body? I mean, how does yeah. that work? So yeah. Why have you taken away from me by mm-hmm. this interaction? Yeah. The point is, I guess, of Polari is that it's meant to be slightly understandable to people who don't speak it. And for people to be able to get that kind of context of, I know something's being talked about, <laughs> but I don't know what. Mm. Yeah, I guess as a Kant slang as well, it doesn't have to fulfil all of the purposes of a language. So it's, as you say, it's very contextual, it's very utilitarian. People are using it to bitch people out and also mm. to communicate without them understanding, but letting them know that they were being talked about. And it also yeah. really reflects, so you imagine in terms of of the vocabulary, it really reflects what people needed to talk about and what people mm. needed a Kant slang for. Yeah. So it probably doesn't have... If people were still speaking Polari, they would have a totally different vocabulary now. There would be all kinds of other things to talk about. Yeah, for sure. Um, one of the beautiful things, actually, about Polari is that you can just create words. Like, it didn't have that many words. But there's f- different functions within Polari for making words. So you can add feminizing endings to the end of words, and that would make it Polari. You can describe objects, and so it's like two object words, cheat and fake or fake me and a lot of words in Polari you can describe the thing and then add one of those object words so um, if I was to create a word for baby for example I would say lullaby cheat so it's a thing that you sing lullabies to so it describes the thing so there's there's a lot of ways of making language and um really playing with language which meant that it was actually really utilitarian you could use it to talk about anything with very few words because you can just make things up and Mm. so long as it was camp and so long as it was fabulous and all of that kind of stuff it's hilarious and how do you feel about the um translation of trans oh yeah well uh there's a, you know, Polari definitely wasn't a perfect language, let's just put it that way. Um, and it was spoken up, up until the 1970s, so it has a lot of ideas that I wouldn't necessarily think of as reflecting my ideas now. So it has a, lot, a, a fair bit of racist language. Um, I think the, the word surrounding trans stuff is quite, um, well, transphobic. <laughs> so the... There's actually a very limited um, vocabulary around gender and the the word for trans people is remold. So it's very much like you are remolding your body, it's very transition focused. The other ways of talking about queerness is actually very gendered based as well. So the way of saying gay man or lesbian woman um, would be polonomi or omi polone. So omi is man and polone is woman. So depending on 
which way you put it down. You're actually literally just calling uh, a gay man, a man woman, and a lesbian woman, a woman man. So they they understand the queerness in that very gendered term. So now we kind of see sexuality as kind of, it doesn't really, it's not really gendered necessarily, but they had like a different view. It's gay people were like, had the souls of the opposite binary gender trapped inside them. Mm. Um, and that's what made them queer. So they do discuss it in terms of gender, but the, the actual trans-specific words are really lacking. Um, and something that's ripe for playful coming up with new words. I think, mm. I think it's time to explore that. Mm. Um, Which brings us to the future of Palari. Yeah, so for me, like, Palari was always on the... It's it kind of on its deathbed, really. Like, nobody speaks it. Um, it's just a handful of words. The only people in the UK who are really putting any effort into reviving it are a handful of artists and the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, um, of which I'm a member, who uh, use Polari as a liturgical language, so instead of Latin, which is fabulous, of course, <laughs> but it doesn't mean that it's really a, a living language. Um, and I have always been of the belief that actually Polari doesn't, we don't have to consign it to the past, it doesn't have to be something that was spoken for the 70s and now, is something else. We can bring it back, we can change it, we can add our own words, we can put in the words that we use for queer slang now, like meaningfully what what's the difference between that and Polari? Like there isn't really, like it's a, it's a queer camp slang, like why can't we absorb these new words too? And I think there's a queerness about that, it's about we don't have to like say this is this is a thing that's done before and we can't change it, we're queer, we can do anything we want. <laughs> so I think Here we go. Polari has a, a bright future, but we probably need to really expand its vocabulary to talk about things that are relevant now. And a lot of that stuff will be gender, will be questions around sexuality, which aren't necessarily tied so completely into like sex work and policing and all of that kind of stuff but might be kind of differently political words like the reality of queers now like we're still marginalized we've still got struggle like surely there must be some words to like that we can bring in about that but the the real question i think is now that we don't have a, a necessarily a need for secrecy i mean some of some people do but not everyone most people don't um, like what's what's the purpose of it and so far people have only really come up with like art which is fine that's a perfectly good purpose for it so maybe we'll see more more artists using Polari and more Polari translations of books and all that sort of thing <laughs> yeah watch this space watch this space and um, tell us a little bit about your personal relationship with Polari like why have you learned it and what brought you to it? How did you hear about it? I first heard about it as a 19-year-old, queer, and I grew up in a very, like, homophobic, queerphobic environment, and I was constantly told that 
queerness was something trashy and like it had no culture and all of this kind of stuff and then I learned about Miss Polari and I was like oh how 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 come queers have been told that they don't have any culture we have this entire language and of course it is trashy as fuck but so are we so that's fine <laughs> so I kind of learned about it and I was like okay I'm gonna put this on the back burner and then uh, I just kind of got more and more interested in it and I, I couldn't really let it go and I joined the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence um, and kind of was like oh I'm kind of interested in that it really I really kind of felt like it it spoke to me because I was I think I was searching for like something intergenerational about queerness like I felt like the only people I knew who were queer were my own age and there was no link to anything in the past so like the ritualism of the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence and the use of Polarian that like felt like it kind of gave structure to some stuff and yeah it kind of made me feel like connected to people like who had gone before like in, like queer elders um, so that's why I use it I want to keep it alive because it's such a rich and beautiful language for you know so few words to say so much and with such style and pizzazz like we need to pass this on because it's fucking fabulous mm. and the fact that like it died out largely because of femphobia like like this part of me that really says you know this is a political project and we should be reclaiming it because it's so fan it's so fabulous it's it's what we need like so I think that's why I'm I'm really into it. One of my like pet theories about Polari is that when a lot of people talk about Polari, they say the reason why Polari died out was because of partly because of femphobia in the seventies and eighties, the muscle clones, um, all being like we we don't want to talk this fabulous camp language because femininity is like not something that will give us any respect. And even that yeah. hyper-masculinity growing out of like the AIDS crisis and people having to like bulk up to prove that they weren't yeah. Yeah. positive and dying. Yeah, definitely. That, so it was, it was that kind of context. But partially that, partially this like loss of the need for secrecy, partially the legalisation of, of homosexuality. But the thing that isn't discussed is actually the class element so it was something that was spoken by people of all classes because it was um you know a shared language between queer people who come from all classes but like it was primarily from the working class like in terms of it being like soldiers and sailors people who traveled around and had like illicit affairs and all of this kind of stuff and working class queer people and there it was all about their interactions. None of the like conventional accounts of why Polari disappeared mentions the loss of the shipping industry in Liverpool mm. and in London. Like Polari like had a real centre in, in London and a real centre in Liverpool because of the sailors. None of the accounts mention the loss of that working class industry. But my hunch is that was part of the picture of why it disappeared. And if you look at like what the 
shipping industry in Liverpool got replaced with. It got replaced with people driving HGVs. And if you've ever stopped off at a service station, like, they're all still fucking gay as fuck, right? Like, like that culture is not the same, but, like, there's definitely a lineage there. Mm. But the, the language has gone. I think there's something about class that's missing from this from this picture, and I think it's a lot of middle-class academics and middle-class artists claiming Polari is something that was exclusively about middle-class queerness and wasn't about working-class issues, working-class industry, working-class queers. Mm. So I think the class element has a huge, huge part of it, but... I don't have the resources to prove it. <laughs> That's my hunch. <laughs> yeah, really. I can imagine it going a bit like a class colonisation, like most things. Yeah. It's mainly turning to middle class art or something. Yeah, that's literally all it, all it is now. That's what Polari is. It's middle class art now. It needs to return to its roots. That's, if it's going to survive, that's like a, like a working language, like a language that is more than just... Uh, oh, look what gay people did in the past, uh, then it needs to be spoken and it needs to be spoken by working class people. Mm. The future is working class. 